Welcome to Shine Bard with Liz, a podcast on personal growth and lifestyle development. And I'm your host, Elizabeth Danielle Pujadas. Guys, I am so pumped that you're here today. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. However you found it, I'm so happy you specifically are here. I believe that everything happens for a reason and exactly where you are right now is exactly where you are meant to be. So if you're listening to this podcast, it is not by mistake. There's a reason you are listening to it and I'm happy you are. I'm happy you're here. Today's episode is a really great one. It's a long one, a very thought-provoking, long, deep conversation that I got to have with a fellow actor, friend, Taurus Moon. Yes, I'm also a Taurus Moon. I'm a Scorpio sun. But anyway, we are both Taurus moons and we talked about that in the episode. Today's guest is none other than John Clarence Stewart. You might know him from What If. He's also on Zoe's Ultimate Playlist. He's also in Luke Cage and he's just this incredible, incredible actor, dancer, singer, human being. So without further ado guys, I'm going to just let the episode speak for itself and uh, yeah, let's go ahead and dive right in. So pumped. Thanks, John, for taking the time to sit down with me and be on my podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Cool, cool, cool. Let's just go right into it. So the first question I really like to ask my guests is this. Just tell the audience, first of all, who you are. What were you like as a child? What did you (laughs) want to be when you grew up? And really, what's been your journey? Okay. Wow. Okay. So I grew up in, in Georgia. I would say Atlanta, Georgia, but the truth is it's like Stone Mountain area. Um, so right outside of Atlanta, I, my mom, the way she describes me as a child, she said, it's like my philosophy was why walk when you can run? So I would run everywhere. I'd never meet a stranger. I'd run up to people and talk to them as if I'd known them for years. My parents were like, this is weird. Don't do that. These are adults. This is not okay. I also grew up, my father was a pastor. So I grew up like steeped in the church and stuff like that. When I was a kid as well, I had a robust like imagination, like I would lock myself, not lock myself, I would close my bedroom door and I would be there for hours, just creating worlds with my fingers and playing with toys. And uh, my mom said that she would, uh, sometimes she would open the door and she was like, she'd be like, John, who's in here with you? And and it was just me, just me creating stuff in my head. So yeah, that's how I was as a child. Did you have any siblings? Oh yeah. Three. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, cool. Sister, little sister and a little brother. And actually the reason, a big reason why I got into acting to begin with was uh, because I saw my big sister do it. Oh, wow. um, we're 17 months apart. She, she did a play her last semester in high school. I saw her do that. And that kind of like planted the seed. When I got to my last semester in high school, though I'd never done theater before, I followed a friend of mine to an audition. I was persuaded by the drama teacher to audition, and I did, and I got into the show. Wow. And that kind of was a, a turning point for me, because up until that point, I thought I was going to do football, though I, I wasn't necessarily good at football. It was just, I wasn't very good at school, one, and I was just disinterested in a lot of it. And uh, my father was really great at sports, so I think that he was trying to groom me in that way, but puberty wasn't my friend. So it just didn't happen. Um, So when I found theater, I was like, oh, this is something that I'm getting affirmation for. This is is really nice. Then I decided to audition at a university in South Georgia called Columbus State University. I went down there and I told myself, I said, if I get a scholarship, then I'll do this. If I don't, then I 
I don't know. I have to figure something else out. And I got the smallest scholarship that they offered. And I was like, I guess I'm going to school for theater. And I, I went and while I was at school, I started falling in love with storytelling and realizing that it was kind of, I felt like it was kind of, you know, my dad was a pastor. That was his thing. I didn't want to do that, but I felt like this was kind of my calling, my way of telling stories and my way of being of service. Uh, yeah. So that was school. I dropped out of school. And part of that was because I didn't, when my father passed away. So that was, that was tough. And two, I was getting close to the end of school and I didn't know nothing looked real. Mm -hmm. Like I was about to graduate and nothing looked tangible. I was like, how do I become an actor? How do I make this, is this work? Is this fun? Is this a job? Is this real? Can I survive like this? So I freaked out, other shit was going on and I dropped out of school and um, went home to be with my mom for a few months. While I was there, I was miserable. And then one of my teachers hooked me up with an audition at uh, Kaiser Permanente, which is like this, it's like a medical Yeah. Company. Yeah. I and, know Kaiser, yeah. Okay, cool. So it's also I, a university. My mom went to Kaiser University. Oh, I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, that's what's up. Um, I mean, and they might be two different things, but I was like, Kaiser, Kaiser might be the same thing. <laughs> Tomato, tomato. How tomato. many Kaisers really are out there? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably just that one. Yeah, it's probably uh, just that one. We're right. But they had this uh, educational theater program. I auditioned for it. I learned a really big lesson in that audition. Up until that point, I was under the impression that I could do anything. I was, I'm an actor. I'm Daniel Day-Lewis. I can be whatever. And uh, I went into the audition and Betty, she was um, directing the shows. She said, who wants to audition for the teacher? And at the time, I'm like in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. She said, who wants to audition for the teacher? And I was like, me. She was like, you'll be the student. Who wants to audition for the teacher? <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> what? And after it was over, I went and I talked to her. And I said, why didn't you let me audition for the teacher? She said, uh, John, right? I said, yes. She said, um, I have people auditioning who are 40 and 50 years old who look like teachers you look 19 so you will audition for the student like do be what you are do who you are and i was like oh okay like what a concept because in theater like in in conservatory school we're playing like an eight-year-old grandma like we're playing these crazy roles so why would we think that (laughs) exactly yeah you know because of her advice and because of a teacher of mine I started working with them and it was the first time that I got paid doing theater. And I thought, and as I was getting paid, I was in community with other actors and I was seeing how they were living their lives and that they had lives, you know, that it was real. That kind of, that started a different trajectory. It was like, okay, you know, what I've been investing my time into is not just this fantasy, like it's real. Amazing. Okay, cool. So then obviously we met at Springboard, but I yeah. met you, you had already finished Springboard. You were just popping your head in. Yeah. And we had this like off the record, so I'll just repeat it. So we had our, I was a student, I was taking our dance workshop and you came in and popped your head in. And the, I think Megan was like, 
uh, or Joanna was like, it's John, we love you. And then you're like, oh, I just brought watermelon and pineapple. And I'm like, oh my God, you are the sweetest human. Give me this pineapple. I was like, everybody's reaching for apples. We're like, oh my God, he just brought us fruit. <laughs> but uh, so what was your relationship with the wing? Like, were, did you go, were you a springboard alum? Like, what was yes. that relationship? Okay, so springboard, here's the thing. Um, Fast forward that time with school, went to a different school, blah, 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 blah. I started, um, I dropped out of another school, started going, uh, assistant taught at the Alliance Theater in Georgia, and then started working there. While I was there, I auditioned for a show at the Humana Festival. Um, and when I went to go do that, uh, a, a teacher of mine, sent me an audition or sent me the information for springboard now at this point i'm i'm old you know like i'm not I, i'm i mean most of the people that were in my springboard class were a lot younger than me right. um but i was like you know what bump it i this seems really great and i really want to audition for it so i did yeah and um and then i got it and it was transformative. Oh my God. The best. I, you know, yeah. it demystified the whole thing. It made what it. Was the, what was like the biggest, so for the people that are listening right now, it's mm -hmm. a two week intensive with the American Theater Wing, founders of the Tonys, and you get mm -hmm. to do master classes and meet a lot of famous people and go to the Tonys. And it's just honestly the best two weeks of your life. And you're just like super validated and you're like, I made it. I'm in New York. I'm one of the tops. <laughs> you just feel so good. You're like, I can do anything now. Yes. Um, so, but what was that like for you? Like, what was that experience? Like, what was that? Like I said, I feel like for me, I think it was the biggest. I remember being in Springboard and writing notes and seeing people. Like I had gone to a good conservatory, but some of these kids were coming from like NYU and like Syracuse and Juilliard and Carnegie Mellon. And I'm like, but at the same time, I kept reminding myself, yeah, but you all ended up here. Like you're the, the same place as these people that I went to these great, you're just as good as them. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really hard for me. And I started dealing with a lot of um, imposter syndrome, which was weird because I never had that as an actress. But I think now being in New York, it just felt like this bigger ball game. And it was like, all right, like we're here. Like this is the real deal. And I remember feeling like um, we met Lucy Liu and she came to talk to us. And um, I asked a question and they told me like to stand up and to kind of be on her level and just having somebody that I known on television and admired and just been like, damn, like you're awesome. You're, you're a successful actress. Like before springboard, I hadn't really been like presented these, you know, celebrities in front mm -hmm. of me to have a conversation with me. Absolutely. Um, and then looking at me in the eyes was this very uncomfortable feeling of validation. Like, Oh my God, mm -hmm. we're in the same space and we're sharing thought and communicate. And like, it was very uncomfortable for me. And then when yeah. I went to the Tonys, it was like, very uncomfortable also because I was like I felt very I had to remind myself that I belonged and mm. you know I also am very into my faith and God was just like no like for me the whole springboard experience was a very God thing I was waitlisted and I but God was telling me I was going to get it and I just I was trying to be patient but I knew he was telling me don't worry I'm going to present it to you in the best way he was being very romantic with it and I was very impatient. I was like, I don't care. Just tell me. And then I got waitlisted and I was devastated because mm. it was the only thing I really wanted for four years in college. Cause I knew a lot of the kids in our university used to do that program 
So it was uh, like the only thing I really wanted. I was like, God, if there's anything I really want, it's springboard. I really want springboard. I really want springboard. I was going to move to New York anyway. So I, when, I, when I went for my um, showcase in New York is when I, they unwaitlisted me and told me I got it. And it was like this incredible moment. And I understood why God was like holding it till that moment because then it was just so much more impactful. And then I went back home for a week and packed all my shit and moved in with my dad. It was like this whole thing. So when I was in New York, I was like, not only did I just move to New York, but now I have the best two weeks as the beginning of my chapter. Mm. So it was just like everything. It was so refreshing and unreal. So, um, but yeah, so for you, what was wow. that like experience? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, I love, I love the, the, the part of your story, um, the, the, the impatience, the, the timing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, at least for me, is always a recurring, it's a recurring theme. This yeah. idea of when I want something and when it actually shows up yeah. and that distance and what's happening in my life as uh, inside of that distance, which is like, it's like almost like this preparation sometimes. Yeah. Um, so that's beautiful. Um, of course, uh, for me, Springboard was like, I mean, I was working on a show at, uh, on a play at Humana and I was like, I was, it was very spur of the moment. It was very like right on the deadline. Right. I did the monologue and I was like, you know what? This is probably not going to happen. Like, but, you, but what I'm going to do is what I will do is I'm just, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to send this in and let it go. And, um, and then uh, they reached out and um, I was like, I mean, I didn't have, I couldn't pay for a springboard. Right. I, I couldn't, I didn't have the money for it. And um, they let me know uh, that they were going to, they were going to give me like some partial assistance. And I was like, okay, here's the deal. Okay. Yeah. Here's the deal. And this was a, this was the lesson for me is like, do I sabotage this? Because I could do that. I could just, you know, go, oh, okay, it's not going to, uh, I, I don't have it. So I'm just going to not respond and like, let it go. Could I, I could do that. But then I said, no, I, for some reason, I feel like I just need to communicate. I need to be honest about where I am. And I was just like, hey, I can't. Like, I just don't have it. I would love to, but I can't. And thank you so much for everything. Um, thank you. And uh, they were like, well, let's see what we can do. And they were able to pull and bop, 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 bop. And then they let me know. They were like, we're going to cover it. And wow. I was like, I was like crying in my hotel room. Yeah. And I was like, this is crazy. I'm just a little boy from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And what was, it, what was your first Tony's experience like? Oh, that was insane. It was, um, it was, I think the only word for it was surreal. Like it was this way. It was, everybody was like me. You know, I thought that when that, the, the year I went was the year, um, I think it was the year that Raisin and the Sun won. Mm. And we met Miss Jackson, Samuel Jackson's wife. Um, oh yeah, um, I met her too, Latanya. Yes, Latanya. She is awesome. Oh, that woman. Yes. Like, she's like the mother that you want. She's like Oprah, you know. She's yes. like, she's like, sit down. You're Do like, not clap for me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure. I remember she told me she's like. I think no, that was someone else, but. 
I remember her being like, you just need to have a toolbox and you need to pull from your tools. She's like, you need to sharpen your knives. You need to expand your lungs. You need to stretch. And I was like, she's like, yes, my husband is a very famous movie star. Like, she's so funny. But what were you going to say about her? No, I, I, you know, to that point, she was, was just so mother, she was like mother earth and very nurturing and also very firm. The Tonys just demystified everything for me. It made it, it made it real. It made it more than, uh, you know, a fantasy that I would see on television. I think it was even the, the biggest part for me was seeing the rehearsal. Seeing the rehearsal was like, they're not even, they're not even dressed up or anything. Like these folks, they're wearing like sweats and chilling and I'm wearing a t-shirt, you're wearing a t-shirt. Like there's, there's no, none of these levels and stuff. We're all actors, we're all creatives. Right. And um, what, what I realized afterwards was that uh, it, it was like the Tonys were me touching the thing and letting me know it's real. And then when I left, it was like, okay, now you got to climb the mountain. Right. So it's like, I touched it and it's like, okay, this is a thing. It's the application of everything that I learned at Springboard, which I was, I did not apply at first. Warm, safe, dry fed. I did not apply it. They did teach us that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, take really. care of your basics first. Like just have a house, like just stay fed, just stay warm. Right. Mm -hmm. You didn't apply that? Absolutely not. My thought was, I'm moving to New York. I'm going to do this. You know what? I am going to, I'm going to work, I'm going to work a day job as little as possible so that I can put all of my energy into my career. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to work enough to eat and I'm only going to eat just enough to survive. I was like on some, I was on some not sustainable shit. Yeah. And, and I, I made that choice and then I started doing it things were not happening the way I wanted them to. Like I, I expected, I was very, when I moved to New York, I was very fortunate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I moved to New York and I had an agent and I had a manager when I moved. And at the time, I didn't know anything other than that. I didn't realize the gift that that was. Um, but I moved there with that. So there were doors that were open and I was auditioning when I got there. That's awesome. Yes, but then nothing was happening. And it was like, then there was even more of the, was I crazy to come here? Mm. At the, and at the time, you know, also because I'm, I'm not taking care of myself as a human being. And I think that's something that always, I think my journey as a human being as an, and as an actor are intertwined. For sure. I can't separate them. So when I neglect myself and the holistic part of myself in my life, it, it destroys my creative side. And when I show up in the room in auditions, I'm like a shadow of myself. When I don't get it, it's all the more devastating because I'm moving with this, uh, this desperation. So at the time, after springboard, I'm sleeping on my friend's couch in Harlem not glamorous. Mm -hmm. um, I'm working just enough to pay some of his bills, just enough to eat dollar pizza, just enough to pay for like the MTA and auditioning and auditioning and auditioning and auditioning. Soon after that, my roommate, my friend was like, hey, John, it's been six months, bro. <laughs> so 
you're my friend, you're my brother. And um, this is starting to affect our friendship. So mm. I, I need you to, I need you to figure something out. And I was like, geez, well, I have to, I had to humble myself and open myself up to, well, to applying the lessons that they taught me. Right. You know? And uh, then when I, when I did that, I ended up finding, yes, there's like odd jobs here and there. But the main one was, I was walking through Times Square and there was a guy that was at Humana Festival with me like years before. And he hops out of this black car and he's like, John. And I was like, Brian, what's up? And he was, <laughs> I was like, are you, is this your like, he's like, no, 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 no. I work at this hotel. Like I'm a bellman at this hotel. And I was like, for real? He was like, yeah, I'm a bellman. And it was like, I was like, are you guys hiring? <laughs> you Sounds hiring? like a dope job. <laughs> I mean, at the time, I, I was like, it seemed like there was no, there was very, very few ways in. Like you had mm -hmm. to know somebody. There's so many people that want jobs. Um, and he was gracious enough to walk me in, introduce me to the manager. I auditioned, not auditioned, but I did the interview. <laughs> yeah. I did the interview. I auditioned for the Bowman job. <laughs> I, it was my first role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I, so I did that. I got it. And that's, that started a shift that was um, me prioritizing my well-being. Mm -hmm. And um, that not long, like a little while after that, or not too long after that, um, I ended up, I booked my first TV, TV jobs right. and it was, it happened to be on the same day. So it was like, there was this, uh, as the same was, day as you got the job. No, I, I got the job that, um, that job mm -hmm. worked at the hotel. Worked it for a little bit. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then like, maybe like a few weeks later, um, I had auditioned for the mysteries of Laura now mm -hmm. did an audition for blue bloods. Okay. And within the span of like 45 minutes, I got the call that I booked both of them. And I was like, Oh my God, how amazing. Congrats. I was like, oh, oh, I was like on the middle of the street in New York. And I was That's crying. the best feeling. That's the best. I know that feeling. Just walking and crying and on the phone with your mom. My like, mom. I fucking booked it. She's just like crying. You're just like walking. People are looking at you like, Fine. Keep walking. No one will know. I'm just crying my eyes out. Everyone's like, that person's either having a terrible argument or. <laughs> like, I just, how many times I've just walked and cried in New York? Just, <laughs> just walk, keep walking and crying. That is That's so, so real. That is so real. Like, is so real. like New York is the is the biggest. Uh, it's public, but it's private. It feels so private. Yeah, there's so you many people watching you, but you don't care. You're just like. Just keep walking. I'll be fine. I'm just going to get to 45th. You're good. So then you booked that. And so how did you feel like when you booked it? And I, and I guess the reason I asked this is because like I, like I've booked, you know, shorts and I've booked, you know, commercials, but I haven't booked television. Mm -hmm. And I think my biggest thing is I don't think I will have that imposter. I think, I think I'm ready. I think I'll go in ready. But did you have any discomfort like prepping for the role? Did you have any discomfort like going on set? Like what was that experience for you now stepping into this part from literally being on your friend's couch to now having two shows that you're on? 
Like, what did that feel like? It felt like, uh, I definitely felt imposter syndrome. There was a part of me that felt like, you know, and to your point about going into springboard and seeing kind of the pedigree of the people and like going into New York or moving to New York and talking to different actors and realizing, well, everybody here went to some like serious conservatory and had a showcase and like, yeah. and everybody's like super trained and like, theatery yeah and like <laughs> i'm just like i'm just this i'm just this guy from georgia like right what are my credentials i'm john like <laughs> <laughs> i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> willing and able to work just, willing and able to work yeah just pay um, me please <laughs> <laughs> um so funny. but i went into when i i i think the one of the big things was realizing that I was enough mm -hmm. that like because the thing was when I auditioned for the mysteries of Laura job I went in for a different role so I went in for a different role and then they were like hmm can you be this other one and I got it and I didn't have much time at all and so I looked at it and I was like all I can do is just be myself like I can't do any character work I can't develop this right. thing at all just gotta. just gotta do it and I walked in and I was myself and it would and they said whatever they said. I don't even remember what they said. I just remember, I don't remember the audition. I just remember it. We started, it ended. And I was like, I did some stuff. And yeah. then I walked out and I was like, well, that's probably not going to happen because I didn't get any time to prep and whatever. Um, but then it did. And I was confused. I thought, well, I was, I was really excited. And then I was like, well, what did I do in the audition? That usually happens, right? You just lose it. Yes. So then you, you're thinking about it and what happens? I'm thinking about it and then I'm looking at the, the sides for the, the day of, because we got the, got the news and I had to go to set the next day. Wow. And so there was no time. And, um, and I just, I, I went to set. I got there early because I was stressed about being late. Smart. I'll take a note of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're really early. <laughs> well, I, get, I got there so early. I was just walking around. And I <laughs> you got there before the crew and the craft. They're like, huh, what is this guy doing here? Is he all right? Like, yes, I'm actually part of the actors, but I'm just, I'm here. I'm ready just in case you need me. Just like, you know, I, I, have, I can do things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. So <laughs> no, um, but uh, so I got there like really early and then I just started walking around. I went and I got some coffee. Then when I went into, when I got into the dressing room, then the anxiety really started to sit in. It was like, okay, I made it. I'm on set. Yeah. I'm in the dressing room now. Okay, let me look at these sides. And I looked at the sides and I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And I was like, do I know my lines? Do I know? That's I know always my, my biggest like sight. <laughs> like I have this weird thing and I don't know if other actors feel this, but I always feel like I don't know my lines enough. Like, I'm always like, it's not good enough. Like, I'm never, like, even if I'm so prepared, I always have this, like, thing inside me. Maybe it's, like, a perfectionist thing where it's, like, it's not good enough. And I'm always, like, I psych myself out. Like, mm. I'll know the lines and I'll still psych myself out as a way of kind of, it's the enoughness thing. And it's the thing I'm working on where it's, like, I know I'm enough. I know even when I bring it only 10% of my best. I know I'm so good. You know what I mean? Like, but mm -hmm. I always feel like it's not 
a hundred percent. And so when I think about being on set or something like that, I always feel like I'm going to need like my coach to be right next to me because I feel like I'm going to be like not good enough. Do you mm. know what I mean? Does that no. happen to you? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, that feeling of, um, do, do I have it? Do I have it enough? I had it. I had it yesterday. I had it when I was on the way here. And now I'm in this room and I can't remember where, what the first line is. Yeah. How do I know what the first, okay, uh, maybe it, what's my intention? And like going back through and trying to find like, what is the emotional arc? And like, what is the scene? And all of this right. stuff. I think that the letting go and kind of the, the trust is, it can be very hard. And I still, I, I still feel that way sometimes, you know, I go on set and I go over my lines and I've done my work and I show up and um, I feel like, is this, I don't feel freedom to play. I don't feel freedom to just be human. Because you don't want to mess up, right? Yeah. I don't want to, and I don't want to embarrass myself and I don't want to waste anybody's time. Right. Um, but then, you know, what I've, what I've seen in other actors that I've worked with that are further along in their careers than me is that they realize that, that when they are in their creative process and when they're exploring and when they're um, spontaneous and when things happen that they don't expect, like that's the creative part. Like that's why they're there, you know? A lot of people can come in and say the line, but who can come in and live, live in these shoes and nobody else. And I think that's something that, um, that I try to remind myself of is that there are a lot of incredible actors in the world and that's phenomenal. A lot of incredible actors, a lot of people that I respect a lot. There's only one me, mm -hmm. there's nobody else that is me when I accept that and embrace it and have the courage to bring all of that into the room, then it's, it's not just the role, it's my version of the role. Right. And they're at, when they bring me in, they're like, okay, we're not just asking for this nebulous thing. We're asking for your version of this thing because we trust you and um, we want your impulses. When back to the mysteries situation, I listen to music, to get myself in like a, I said to get myself in a zone, but I, li I listened to music and then I danced in the room by myself just to get jitters out. Cause I had some coffee and I was like, this is a bad Yeah, I was gonna say, why'd you have coffee? <laughs> <laughs> like I was right when I was like, coffee, ooh, that, like that's gonna make you way more, like, I was I was like maybe a little green, like maybe a little tea, a little chamomile, coffee. <laughs> I had some fucking coffee, like a dummy. <laughs> God. And I had to dance all that energy out. You're like fucking sweating. He's like, shit. Yeah. I'm like, can't put the makeup. The, oh my gosh. And then I, then I go to set and realize that, you know, I was so precious with everything and they were not as precious with everything. They were like. They were messy. They were just like, let's do this. Yeah. They were just like, okay, cool. Cause when I'm coming into set and I'm a guest star or a co-star, they've had seasons upon seasons of whatever they've been doing. So when they're coming in, they're like clocking in the work and it's just creative, yes, but there's also like, you know, this is the interrogation. Okay, this is the interrogation. I've done how many interrogations this month? Done a lot of them. So here we go. And 
Um, so they know what the deal is. And I come in and I just, I don't have to overthink it. Like, I just have to show up and, and do it and trust the work, use the person that's opposite me. Right. A lot of times the bottom line is that it's not going to be the thing until you're there. Mm-hmm. At least for me, it, I can rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and do all of this stuff while I'm by myself in my room. But it's really not going to be the thing until I'm across from the other actor. And there's the camera and the director is giving me direction. And then we're making the thing. That's so fun. Yeah. Like, so it's like you get all the ingredients you come into the space and it's like, okay, now we're making pizza. Cool. Yeah. And I think like the biggest thing, like what, what I realized, I, I just did a commercial recently and it was just by myself. I was like the main person, which was a lot. It was like a lot for me. I was like, oh, I was like number one on the call list. You know, I've been trying to manifest number one on a call list, but I didn't think it was going to be a commercial. You know what I mean? Like I was like, it's fine. I'll take it. Number one on the call list. Like, oh, there's a bunch of extras. And I'm like the only actor. I was like, oh my God, this is weird for me. Like, you know mm. what I mean? Like, like you've kind of, you know, you go to set and they're putting my makeup on. They're putting these, there's the different options for me. They're making me sign contracts. So the director's talking to me. And then this, I've, I've had a good combination of like female directors and male directors, which has been really nice. Cause I know a lot of people have only had male energy. My, the crew that was doing this commercial made me feel so comfortable. And the director and I told them afterwards, I was like, you know, thanks for giving me so much validation. And I know mm-hmm. I shouldn't seek it, but for some reason, I'm sure this happens to a lot of actors, but if I do a scene and the director, like, you know, when I was younger, like would do student films, so the director would go straight to see camera or something like that. And he wouldn't come talk to me. It would make me feel like, where am I? Was that good? Like, did you like that? Like this director during this commercial was so vocal with me, was so playful with me. was so like, you could tell that he just, they had booked you for a reason. And I think mm-hmm. like, that's another thing is like, once you're there, it's like realizing that, everything about me is what they're looking for and he was just like oh do this oh let's play about this let's do this and it made me feel like I was having fun like there was no way I could mess up and Mm -hmm. the more playful I would allow myself to be the more he would be like yes yes that's what exactly oh that you're so funny and then like everybody was like and it was so weird because I didn't have any lines it was just facial expressions it was very like and he's like yes brilliant you killed that and I'd be like wow, you know, this is like the least amount of work I've ever had to do for this much praise and like this much money. Like, I'm like, this is great. Like, I'm happy. Like, because usually you're like, work, work, work. Like, you know what I mean? But this was awesome. So I think, I don't know. I don't know why I felt like sharing that, but I think there's something that you said. And I know you've worked with Renee and like Lauren, you've worked with Renee and you've also worked with Lauren, right? From Gilmore mm-hmm. Girls. Mm-hmm. So like when you were talking about that, I, I started thinking of them in my mind while you were speaking about them because I know that those are some experienced actors that you've worked with. And I think about it and it's like, if we really take ourselves out of the equation of the audition process and like the whole mountain climbing, it's really just a bunch of friends getting together, shooting something. Like that's really all it really is. It's just a story. And like, you're an actor, all right, do your thing. Like no one is really out here judging us. But I think as actors, we're so hard on ourselves because of the journey that we have to go through to get to where we are that I feel like that whole journey really just puts us in a straitjacket because when I was a kid going into an audition I was like yo I got this like I'm just gonna play I'm gonna sing and then you get to the point where it's like you finally book and you're like I don't know what to do I'm so fucking straight you know yes yes absolutely that resonates with me so hard because 
I felt like before I moved to New York, I was, I was free. Yeah. Like there was freedom. I went into an audition and there was this part of me that was just like, fuck it. I'm me. That's it. And that's everything. That's, that's all I have. And that's everything I need. And I went in and I would do my thing and I would leave the room and it would be like, cool, great. So where are we going to eat? And it was yeah. not a thing. And even like auditions or even going into meetings with people, if I was like, if I had a meeting with an agent or a manager or something like that, I would walk in and I'd be like, Hey, I'm John. And it wasn't like, what do you want from me? What do you need from me? What do you, it was like, Hey, so, you know, this is the kind of career that I want. And this is the kind of career that I want. This is what the kind of thing I want to do in the world. These are the things that I would really like to do. Um, what about you? What do you like to do? Why do you do this? Yeah. And it was just so relaxed. But then it's like the more into the industry I got, the more in a straight jacket I felt like I, I got. And I was like, well, there is a right thing to say and there's a wrong thing to say. And I don't want to fuck it up. And I don't want to, because I now I've seen actors who've lost their job, so I don't want to lose my job. Like I don't, I don't want to not be the. I want. I don't want to audition and them think that it's me, and then I get there and they're like, "Oh man, we got to find somebody else." This guy, right. you know, that's the, the the that critic and that fear running. When I I get back to that kind of free space, when I get back to that space of, at least for me, the thought of like, why am I doing this? period. Like, why am I doing this career at all? And when I get down to that, and that's some bolts of that, like it's bigger than a singular audition. It's bigger than a single audition. It's bigger than a single paycheck. Like, you know, and when I pan out on my life and I look at the long arc, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this thing kind of makes sense. But whenever I get, when I'm inside of this, I never see it and it always stresses me out. And it's so interesting because when you were talking about who you were as a child, it reminded me so much of similar to me. Like I, when I was a kid, I spent hours in my bedroom also playing with my fingers, creating like worlds. And I think that that's why I love understanding someone's essence, like who they were at the core, like when they first arrived without all these masks and straight jackets, because that's really who you are at your essence. And I think, the biggest thing I've learned during this quarantine is I'm back at home. It's not the home I grew up in, but you know, I have my mom and some things are kind of, you know, similar to what it was like growing up. And I've spent so much time again in my room. And I find that what, what, what happens is that my family was very uh, chaotic growing up. I grew up in a very chaotic, chaotic, chaotic household. Um, mm -hmm. With, I would say a lot of trauma, but also just because both my mom and my stepdad had gone through a lot of trauma in their own. And they, I now as an adult realize that they were trying the best that they could, but they still inflicted a lot of like traumas on us. Mm -hmm. And they were very, just very violent and very aggressive with the way they would speak. And even now, sometimes I speak to my mom and I'm like, mom, you know, tone, words have power. Like just, you know, I try educating her and things like you know, I'll be like, hey, how about we try that in a different way? Or why don't you say exactly what you just said at like 50% less fast and aggressive? Like, you know, yeah. it's like a process of things that like now as an adult, I realize why it affected me so much as a kid. And mm. the other day I was here by myself and it just felt great. And then my sister came over and my stepdad came over and my mom was here and we were all having pizza and everybody was in the, in the kitchen eating and talking and being really loud and just, just being 
not negative, but just talking about COVID and I'm like, my mom's a nurse and they want to talk politics. I'm like, Oh my God, this is like so negative. I don't want to be a part of anything. I just want to go to my room and dance like that. I just don't want to do this. And I regressed to my room and I started realizing like, this is why you regress so much into creativity is I created my own world. I was just in my own bubble mm. and it was my safety. It was my escapism. Essentially I was escaping and creating. And I remember the other day I was here and I put on Britney Spears and Jennifer Lopez and I was watching their music videos and I was in the mirror and I was like dancing like them. And I was trying to do like the Britney moves. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I could fucking be jennifer lopez like i'm just as pretty i can move just like her i fucking can do it i can do it why not if she could do it i can do it and it took me back to when i was a kid and what gave me that inner confidence of like the now thing that gave me grit was just that i thought as a little girl that i could be britney i could i, I just could see myself being that and in this time allowing myself to just explore and dance and find that inner child again it's really given me this this sense of play and I sent in an audition yesterday or this week and I it was it was for a Disney short and I was like you know what it's just it is what it is like I'm not gonna think I did it three times I'm not one to like to do takes as much that much anyway but I did it like three times I was like yeah it's good it's good I'm, I'm just gonna send it mm -hmm. and I feel like as I've been auditioning for like bigger things so many people and it's funny because i was listening to a podcast with alicia keys and she talked about how everybody has an opinion and i think mm -hmm. the further along that you start getting like so close everybody has an opinion you're like did you get that coached why didn't you get that coach you should have gotten that coach how many times did you get a coach it's like okay how about also i can rely on the fact that i know what i'm doing with the material like i can coach myself in this and do mm -hmm. a great job but they're like, no, but that's a series lead. You should get every series lead coach. So I think it kind of, again, it starts putting me in the straitjacket of what my coach is telling me I have to do with this part. Mm -hmm. And it makes me start getting technical versus just like being what I think this character is. I don't know. Like, wh what has that been like for you? Have you had to like get things coached or have you gotten those things coached and felt yeah. like? No, I, I mean, everything. Well, one, to backtrack, thank mm -hmm. you for sharing that I mm -hmm. think that, um, you know, finding the, using this time, and I think this this time while we're in quarantine, I mean, it, it, it is different for everyone. Like it, it impacts us all differently, um, but finding out and accepting and um, allowing this time to be whatever it is, whether yeah. it's, you know, causes grief or pain or like, birth some creativity or whatever is really important. So thank you for sharing that. Thanks. I love, I love coaches sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, there are times when uh, there's this idea of tone comes into play mm -hmm. and it can really help when it can really help, at least for me, it can really help for someone to look at it and go, oh, this is the kind of the tone of peace. And I go, okay, right. now, now I can drop in and I know what the world is. Because um, there's some people who can look at one side and get the tone. Um, and uh, there have been times over my life where I have had, I've gone and I've had coaches, but for, if I'm being really straight up, for the, the last, for the series um, regulars that have happened most recently, those weren't coached at all. Those were, like one was, 
what if was I was was I got the audition at like 6 p.m. They wanted it by the morning. I needed to, the next day I needed to catch a flight at like 9 a.m. to go to Ohio because I was going to work on this new play with a friend of mine. And so I had no time. And I read the sides and I was just like, I know this guy. And you did but, such a good job. Thank you. That's the first time I've seen you. That was the first time I saw you on TV. And I was like, oh my gosh. So let's talk about what if. So you book it and what was that experience? Like, I mean, I know you had a series regular before that, right? I had a recurring before that. A recurring. And, and so the recurring was on Luke Cage. And for me, that was probably, that was the time when I saw some, I saw people really demand and not in a, you know, abrasive way, but they demanded what they needed. I was working with uh, this guy, Theo Rossi and Alfred Woodard, and they both had this way of knowing what they needed. Mm -hmm. They know what they, they knew what they needed and they knew what they needed in order to go when they needed to go and they could communicate it. And they'd had this, there was just this trust there to where if, you know, the director would come in and they'd be like, okay, we're going to do the scene. And Alfred would be like, they should be like, we're not going yet. I'll let you know. Or she'd be like 30 seconds and they'd be like 30 seconds. So like, we're clear. And she's like, yes. And, but she, she took she demanded it yeah. to, to drop into the space. And not only that, there's just like a, I, 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 let's just say it like, call it a set IQ where she knows everything that's going on. Right. And one time she was doing this monologue and during the middle of the monologue, as they're rolling, she stops for like 15 seconds and everyone's like, I'm confused. I can tell a lot of other people are confused. They're like, did she forget her line? Yeah, and everybody's <laughs> like, what is happening? But she's just like there poised and she's not shifting her position. And then after 15 seconds, she continues and she finishes the monologue. And then the, direct, the director come up and the director's like, hey, so that 15 seconds, she was like, there's a helicopter above, it was unusable. And I was like, what? She was so present that she heard the helicopter and was like, I'm going to wait till the helicopter passes so we can, don't lose this tape. Did nobody else hear the helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> the helicopter. She's like, pause, there's a rat, there's a rat, just hold, hold, hold. <laughs> like, there was a mosquito. <laughs> they went back and they listened to it and they were like, yeah, there's a helicopter, there's a helicopter. And they were like, thank you, thank you. So she was like, cool, and just on to the next thing. Um, but with, with what if, uh, the way that that happened was kind of, it was an affirmation of moving with my authenticity, the whole thing. It was such a playful one too, right? It was. I love the scene where you guys take, um, was it shrooms? Did oh, no, I wasn't. That was, um, that scene? no, but the, the one with, um, but that was your boyfriend in this, in the play, yes. in the, yes. in the show. Okay. So he takes it with another character. Yes. With the, okay, okay, okay. Derek. And, um, that's a very funny scene. It's hilarious. And they, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was fun. It was fun. And we all respected each other and we all wanted to do the best work we could. Um, and so we dove in and I think that it, wound up being something something that we could all be proud of which is wonderful but it was from the audition which was you know kind of each side was like one maybe two takes it was just like go 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 there's no time um to 
the call back, which they, they asked me if I wanted to, they were, I, I recorded all of the auditions, all of the sides when they only required two, but there were three. I just said, I'm going to do all of them. And then they said, um, my, my agent said, Hey, what if they want to fly you out to test you? And I was working on this play, my friend's play. And I said, Hey, I, I would rather, I don't want to leave my friend hanging. So I'd rather stay here. I don't know if that's, if that can be done, but that's how I feel. And what they ended up doing was that extra take, uh, the third, the third side, they just sent everything and that ended up being the test. So they tested me off tape and everything. And then, uh, the showrunner, um, wanted to talk to me. And so we got on a phone call uh, on a Skype and we just honestly talked about the role. And he told me about the character and why he wrote the character and, you know, that they've been looking for this character for a long time and they just haven't been able to find the right thing. And, um, that it, you know, he, he felt like this was a good fit. And I just told him we had this a very frank and honest conversation. There was no, I wasn't selling myself to him. I was being myself with him. And that was a, that was a shift for me because, um, because there was no wrong answer. It was just show up. And then when I got to set, it was, you know, once again, there was the imposter syndrome. I was the last person. I was one of the last people cast. And so there was already chemistry among certain folks and I was coming in. So I was like, Hey guys, everybody who knows each other, mm-hmm. I'm a, I just got here. So we're on the same level, right? I'm also a series regular. Yeah. <laughs> so you know we're going to spend a lot of time together. <laughs> I'm here, guys. Uh, I'll be here for the duration. One thing that was really helpful for me was Juan, who played my fiance, my boyfriend, and then fiance in the show. We had this uh, understanding. We're going to push each other and make sure that we're honest and make sure that we're doing the best work we can. Yeah. And when we would be in scenes, because most of our scenes were together, most of my scenes were with him, when we were in scenes and we were like kind of stuck or two in our heads, one of us would say to the other one, we'd be like, hey, like, I think we're doing too much. I think think we're doing too much. I think, let's relax. We got this. And that was a gift, because that doesn't always happen. You know, it was a gift. Oh my and gosh, you just make me so excited to like get to that point where I could just <laughs> be on set and like with a scene and like partner and just fucking do the work. Yes! I want that. So, and I always say, I'm like, oh, I just want an audition. But then I get the audition, I'm like, uh. So I want to be on, like, I just want to dive into a character and like. Mm, what uh, kind of character? Like, what, what would you want? Like, what? So many, so many different kinds. I think for sure I love comedy like I love very like sitcom-y um kind of characters Mm -hmm. like just like funny just like funny characters I love when writing is witty and like Mm -hmm. it's just like quick and 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 funny and I love that kind of writing Mm -hmm. um yeah when the writers really make the work look awesome like easy for you because it's just the writing is there it shows up and it's good oh yeah that 
I also really love like shows that are real. Like, you know, you worked with Lauren, right? Yeah, Lauren. I think she's so awesome. And I love Parenthood was one of my favorite television shows. And I like those kind of TV shows that are real, Mm -hmm. that make me, especially family dynamics, like that Mm -hmm. show just like, just life. I love shows that show life and it's, it's emanating day to days and, that was the first time I heard about autism and, and what that was like and just like what it's like to have a child with autism. And, you know, she, Lauren plays like a single mom and what that mm-hmm. dynamic's like. And, and, and May, um, you know, her, that's her daughter, like just watching this incredible actress, like just be this rebel child. And I'm like, oh, I want to be able to have those scenes that I forget that I'm acting and it just feels real that it just feels like I'm having a conversation with my mom and I'm upset about whatever and I think like that's my favorite part of my conservatory training was it was it was it really pushed us and there was so much like I went through a breakup my sophomore year in college and he had cheated on me twice with one of my closest friends and I was able to bring all of that to stage I was able to bring that to class I was able to bring things that were happening at home that were really traumatic onto my, like went into my work and my Mm -hmm. teacher would be like, are you okay? Like your work's getting really dark. And I'm just like, yeah, I just really need to process these negative emotions. And it was Mm -hmm. awesome. It was so healthy for me. And I would just be able to just get creative and cry and have these experiences. And I just, and I love that because it was Mm -hmm. real, but I'm pulling from a real place, but I'm also just playing. And that for me is like everything. And I think, I don't have that yet. Like I don't have the show and I know it's coming and I trust in God's timing, but I just can't wait to be able to use it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I love that, you know, that it is all of use that, that it is, um, that it is going to come and everything that you've been like, it's like the tools, like all these experiences are going to be things that you can wield. Um, and I'm excited for you as, as well. I'm excited to see all of those sides of you, you know, Thank you. um, all of that work that's in you to birth, you know what I mean? So what uh, was your, pro- so what's, thank you, first off. Um, so what's been, what's it been like now that you're in Zoe's playlist? So first off, I know you're also working with one of the same leads that was in What If, so you mm-hmm. have a similar coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you guys have a different dynamic in this show. I feel like you're a lot more on screen together. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're singing and all of that. So what's that been like? And amazing, like just incredible. Like I was telling our friend Mark, our mutual friend Mark, like it's just so awesome seeing your gifts. Like this role just shows you in such a different light. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's really tapping into this like fun and like playful and like creative and yet like masculine, but like vulnerable. It's like such a beautiful, it's so beautiful. Like, how do you feel about just the whole process? I feel incredible about it. I feel like it's a gift, you know? And I was talking to my mom the other day and she was reflecting back to me. She said, remember before this show and you were talking about the things that you wanted to do and you're talking about wanting to be used and you were talking about wanting to like working on something that would challenge you and stretch you and and um, and make you bring so much of yourself to the table. Um, you're doing that, and I was like, 
we said I said that? Like we talked about that? That was a, that was a memory. That was me. <laughs> I said that to you. He was like, yeah, John, you said, I was like, that's why you have a mom. I was like, all right. Isn't that so funny? I love when someone tells me a memory about me and I'm like, I don't remember that. Like that's a part of my life that I'm glad you remember because that's not a memory in my arsenal. No, absolutely not. And to that, to that point, actually, I mean, well, this is when, this is something about the manifesting thing and I'll come back. Like I was, I think I was in, I was going through a little tough time in New, in New York and I was in a Starbucks and I was writing down, I was writing in my journal and I was, uh, I do this thing where I'll write things in my journal and I'll write what I want to manifest and then I won't look at it, just leave it. And usually I move on to another journal and I just completely forget about it, but I write it with the intention of whatever. So I was writing in my journal and I wrote like, what do I want? What do I want? I was like, I want to book a series regular. I said, no, I want to book two. And there was a part of me that was like, that's too much. That's too much, that's too big. It's too big, you have to be more reasonable. And then a part of me was like, why be reasonable? Stop being reasonable. Like, yeah. just write it. It's and a dream. I, yeah, and I wrote it down and I didn't look at it again for like two years, two and a half years. And after I booked Zoe, I was going through some of my journals and I saw this journal and I saw that I wanted to book these two series regulars. And it wasn't, it was like, I want to book these in the next year. But, and it was like two years ago, like two and a half years ago. So it was not in my time, but it was, it, it happened. And I was like, I, I asked for this life. Sometimes I'm not grateful, one, mm -hmm. honest. Grateful, gratitude is a practice for me. Sometimes I'm, I slip out of gratitude and I'm like thinking about the things that are going on in the world, the things that are going on in my life, um, things that aren't happening the way I'd like them to. And I forget that I've co-created this life mm -hmm. and I can always create something else and I can always create something different. I can always be more specific about the life that I'm building um, and what I'm calling in from the universe. Cause I, I am a person of like, you know, universe and faith and energy and all of this stuff, right? Yeah. And I believe very strongly that, you know, my vibration matters and Absolutely. my sense of worthiness matters. And when I'm calling in something that feels so far outside of me, what I'm asking of the universe is to be like, okay, so I, I want to raise my vibration so that I can receive these things that are all on their way. They're all coming. And, uh, so with Zoe's, it's one of those situations where like, I lost my dad and I told you like, it was like 13 years ago now, and it was sudden, it came out of nowhere. And so when I got the audition for Zoe, which only happened because of Jane, because we were all hanging out and she said that she was working on the show and they were looking for a character. And then one of the other guys said, John, you sing, right? Because I, really I don't really broadcast it at all. And I was like, yeah. She was like, you sing? I said, yeah. She was like, okay. She wrote something in her phone and then we moved on. Then the next day, my, my agent reached out to me and was like, John, do you sing? And I was like, yeah. He was like, Your agent didn't know? That's so funny. <laughs> she was like, Wait, you sing? I'm telling you, you sing? <laughs> I was like, yeah. She was like, oh, okay. And not only like, do you sing, like, you sing. <laughs> Yeah, it's like this little gift I have no one knows about. 
<laughs> Wait, are you shy about your singing? Why did you get all close to the camera? Because I am. Because I'm shy about singing. So I was like, ooh, maybe we're the same. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're actually the same in this area. Are you shy about it? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I am. And this process has been huge because it's every, every time I have to sing a song or every time a number comes up, it's moving me outside of my comfort zone. That's great. Um, from the pilot onwards. Um, but I also realized that I, I like my voice and it's taken a long time to like my voice. And there are times when I still want to sound like other people. Like when I, I hear someone's voice and I'm like, yeah, but that's like a singer. That's a singer or a singer. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm, it's just got this, it's just got this measly vocal cords. But yeah. you know, there's this, uh, it goes back to the acting thing where it's like, you know, there's a lot of brilliant people in the world, but there's only one me. And there's a lot of brilliant voices, but there's only one voice that I have. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I am shy about singing, but I'm working on it actively and, right. you know, choosing to do it more publicly, choosing to, because um, I also write, so choosing to share things mm -hmm that are creative um, like sharing the things like the part of you because like for me for singing like I feel like like as a kid going back you know that being in your own bubble singing dancing I did all of that but then when I went into the real world the mask started coming and it was the labels of you're just an actress I'm just an actress because acting gave me validation you're a really good actress. Oh, wow. I got into, and the thing with me with acting is I've known since I was a little girl, that's what I wanted. And mm -hmm. so I did, you know, in elementary, I was in plays in middle school, you know, I was in the theater club and then in high school, I auditioned for a conservatory and I got into a high school, like a performing arts high school. And then I went to like a BFA. So I've like done the thing since like birth, mm -hmm. but in middle school, I, you know, took dance as an elective, but I wasn't in like level three, like all the girls or the dance team. And then it started, so it started becoming more of a like, no, they're the real dancers. If you're in level one, you're not actually a dancer because they're the ones that get to perform at the pep rallies. And they're the ones that are real dancers. And then you start seeing the people that are real singers come alive. And then you get into in high school and then now you're broken up into different categories. So now I'm just an actress and everybody does, you're in your music department and you're in this. And then I was like, I also want to be part of the dance team. And then when it came to college, I was like, I'm just going to do acting because I thought musical theater wasn't going to be for me because I was just an actor and it was safe. And mm. I think now I'm kind of like, I think the biggest lesson I've learned during quarantine and also from reading the book, Big Magic, like Elizabeth mm. Gilbert, Gilbert, so good. Um, I think the biggest realization I've had is I can be anything if I do the work. So I can be a guitar player right now if I do the work. I can be a singer. I could be a fucking doctor if I want to, if I do the work. And mm. I've told myself I will be successful in anything I do because I will do it with like zest. I will do my, I will give it my all. So if mm. I want to be a singer, I can claim that I'm a singer because I'm going to work for it. Mm. And I don't think that I let myself be that a couple, even months ago. I think now I'm like posting it on Instagram. I'm like, even if I mess up, I'm like, you know what? I thought it was cute. I look good. I like it. 
fuck it. <laughs> and then I'll be like, ooh, that. Then sometimes, like, I'll go back, like, two years later. I had, like, a song where I would sing. And the other day, I was in my YouTube and I told my mom, you just get in your own world. I'm, like, watching and I'm, like, listening myself saying, I go, why is this on the internet? Take it down, take it down. That was so bad. <laughs> my mom's, like, laughing at me. I was like, oh my God. Sometimes you should be a little bit more shy to share. Like, <laughs> girl, no, that was awful. Why didn't you tell me this was that bad? Why did you Damn. Why help me out? And the, the worst part is like, look, I love all those, but then sometimes I hear other people post their things and they sound so bad in my opinion. I'm like, ooh, I hope, I, I hope people are not listening to me thinking that I sound that bad. I'm like, so then I'm in this weird, where it's like, am I actually like terrible? Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. weird thing, but. Well, no, I, I totally, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. And what resonates with me is something you said earlier about the podcast with Felicia Keys, which mm-hmm. is that everybody has an opinion. Yep. And like realizing that in a lot of ways, there's no, I mean, there are very, there are very few people in the world who are creatives that everyone agrees on. Right. That everyone goes, you will always find a dissenting opinion about someone and their form of creative expression, the way it comes out of them, what their expertise is, what is, what they view as valuable, what they view, what resonates with them in their soul. It's always going to be different. So, so um, like, not everybody thing. likes Kanye. Yeah, not everybody. <laughs> not everybody. Likes- <laughs> I don't um, know why I thought that. that was, I was, it's just like an example. Like, not everybody likes Lady God. Not everybody likes this. Like, and it's so true. It's like even if you're changing the world and being amazing, some people don't like. That's not their vibe. So yes. it's true. Like everybody's going to have their view on you. Yes, and then then begs the question because everyone is going to have their point of view regardless. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what I do. There are always gonna be people who say, I don't really, I'm not a big fan of his voice. Okay, all right. At one point, and sometimes still, you know, this is the continual work. At one point, I would have been so scared to, I would have been so scared of that one voice, that one person that said, I don't think you're like a real singer. Mm-hmm. so afraid of that, that I would not even want to claim it because I was like, well, then it has to be, everybody has to unanimously say that I'm a good singer for me to actually claim it. Otherwise, like, who am I fooling, you know? And I'm just going to make a fool of myself because I'll sing and then that one person will stand up and be like, you suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's interesting is that you, she asked you, are you a singer? And you had already had the association that, yes, I am which is great. And I think also one more thing that I thought was interesting that you said was um, you mentioned when, before you tested for what if that you didn't want to let your friend down. And I thought it was so cool how you still stuck by your values and it still ended up going to your favor. And I think even like with the scholarship where it was like, no, I still don't have it. I think it's awesome when you're so stuck to your values that everyone else kind of just shows up where you're at. Cause you're showing your standards. Like, no, I don't want to let my friend down. So unfortunately, like I have this other commitment. I can't go like fly out. I thought that was so awesome to, I think so many actors would never do that. Like they would just be like, they would just jump at an opportunity and almost maybe lose that friendship to kind of get to that other place. And I think it's so honorable to hear you say that. And I just wanted to go back to it. Cause I was like, that was such a cool thing where you still got to, be there for your friend, but at the same time, you still got to 
have what was ultimately yours, you know? Mm, absolutely. And I, I, I must say, full disclosure, like, that was the culmination of, like, there have been quite a few times where I did have a friend whose reading I signed up to do, and then the day before, because of something that, because of an audition, or because of this, right, that. you would turn I, it down. I dropped it. And I was like, hey, man, I gotta, I can't, hey, man, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I did it with integrity and sometimes I didn't. And that's on me. So I have to own that. But at that moment, that's the, the and I think that it's, that's why it's important to be honest, at least for me to be honest about the process of growing in integrity and growing in, um, in uh, uh, owning um, what my standards are um, and what I will and won't do, which is still growing. Um, but for me in that moment, it was very, like, it was very clear to me that I flew out here, like this is a role that I've been helping my friend develop for a number of years. I, he made sure that I was a part of this. Right. I'm here, if I leave, what is, I mean, if I leave, then what? You know, it's just, that is, that would be a spit in the face to my friend. And um, it's such and, a hard decision though, it, because you could have said no to the testing and they would have been like, all right, well, he doesn't really want it. Well, yeah. yeah. But then there's, so that's a, so hard. Cause it is hard. for me, I would have been like, yo, peace. <laughs> like, cool. I don't yeah. even audition for theater at this point. Cause I'm just like, I just want TV. Cause no. I don't want anything. You know what I mean? Mm. But what a hard decision. I would be so torn. Well, here's the thing. Like, it was, it was hard in a way, like there's a split second where I was like, man, I could, then I was like, there's this truth that I find always in my life, which is what's for me is for me. Mm -hmm. And it's not gonna pass me by. It's not going to escape or elude me. Like, and I'm, if I'm moving in integrity and I'm moving with, if I'm, if I'm moving in alignment with myself, and who I know myself to be, then the right thing will be there. Right. And it may not be everything. I may not do everything, but I don't have to do everything. I'm not supposed to do everything. Mm -hmm. Like there are other people that are more suited to do other roles than me. That's okay. But the roles that I'm supposed to do, I'll do. And I, I will be the person that I need to be in that moment in time or I will find out and discover through the work that I am that person, that I was able to do it, which is what Zoe's was. Right. right, and I think it's interesting because I think that comes down to being a human first. And like my grandmother always used to tell me, lo que está para ti, nadie te lo puede quitar, which is what is for you, no one can take from you. And as a heart, I think it's interesting Actors were such special kind of people because we definitely did not choose the path of least resistance. I think we put ourselves to the biggest test that no other human would do. Like who wants to deal with rejection, patience, trust? Like that's our job. Our job is literally to at all times test the waters in that area. Mm -hmm. And I think what you were saying is uh, really walking with, worthiness i think is essentially what you're talking about is just when you're so deeply rooted in your own worth and knowing like and trusting like what's for me is coming like i have no 
I don't have to cling on to anything. I could just walk and be and know like God or the universe is going to send me what's for me. And I'm just going to let go and trust that. And I'm going to be, and I'm going to be present. I'm going to be the best that I can be at all times. I think even shows up like, like for me right now, in even in relationships, right. Where I was in a five-year relationship and now I'm walking in this weird season where imagine I was 20 years old when I was in that five-year relationship. Now I'm 25. And now I feel like we grew up together. We, I, I'm now a woman before I was so a little girl in college. And now it's like, my values are very different. Now, I'm, you know, I found my faith in the relationship. Now I'm a Christian woman before I was not like, and that doesn't mean that I'm like super crazy. If you're not a Christian, I don't want to be with, you. no, I'm just like, I have values. I have standards. There's ways I like to be respected. I'm not just like, I don't just like hop on any guy. Like I have standards. Like I, I know what I like, what I don't like. Um, but I still think that my worthiness sometimes scares me where now my, I fear never finding because the person that I was with loved me so much and gave me so much. And yet I still didn't want that. Mm. And it's really hard for my mind to wrap around. Like, why did you not want your best friend? Like we were best friend. Like, why did you not want someone that was your best friend that gave you everything, at least of what you thought? Why did you not want that? And I know why, obviously it wasn't exactly, there were so many little things that just wasn't going to work. We weren't on that same wavelength as much as we were, we still weren't. Mm -hmm. And I think now walking in, being afraid that what if you do find another person and he's great, but then you outgrow him and then you find another person. It's like, I think there's a fear of knowing like, how are you going to find your partner, the one you marry? And like, Again, it comes back to that trust and patience because I even was showering today and I was thinking about it. And I'm like, Liz, you just left your relationship. Now you're already like, when am I going to find my husband? Like, it's like, I have marital stress. Mm. And I asked my friends, I'm like, do you ever like worry about like finding your, like, I'm like, you, do you have marital stress? And so many of my friends are like, nah, I love being single. I'm like, why? I think I love partnership. I think mm. I know I love partnership. I know I love connecting with people and like growing with a person and having this like teammate and being a power couple. And I love loving on someone and like supporting them and just like, you got this and like being along on a journey with someone. And I think that's what I miss of my relationship. So I think that there's a part of that. Mm-hmm. But I think just the worthiness, I think that's my biggest you know, I did this exercise with my sisters, like, who were you before this quarantine? Who do you want to walk out? And we kind of did this exercise. And I said, enoughness shows up for me a lot. And I think when I leave this, I just want to say, no, I'm so fucking enough. Why can't I just wrap my head around? Like, even my friends were like, oh, someone said to me, like, oh, you're, um, you're so, um, she's like, oh, this one guy I know has a crush on you. He says that you're so successful. And I was like, I'm successful in what? And then she's like, Liz, like you carry your success. And I was telling a story to another one of my friends. She's like, of course, you're super successful. I'm like, wait, why do people think I'm, I'm like not successful? Because I'm not a series regular. So in my mind, I'm not successful because I'm not a series regular. So no matter what I do, and it's like always this enoughness. It's like, you have a podcast. So you're a life coach. You're this. So not enough, not enough, not enough. Because mm-hmm. I'm not a series regular. And now it's like, oh, now I'm not in a relationship. Not enough again. Now I'm back to single. Like I'm not, I'd have... Five years down the drain, that meant nothing. Mm-hmm. Now I have to, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. 
I mean, yeah. it, 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 it lands on me in a specific way because um, uh, this idea of enoughness, this idea of worthiness. Um, I mean, I was in a relationship for five years before I moved to New York. Then it, I ended it um, because I was like, I, you know, I, it wasn't the right fit. And yeah. um, I think that I knew that there was a person that I was growing into and I would not give myself permission to grow into that person had I remained in that relationship. Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> I did not do it well. Don't get it twisted. I think something like there's most of the thing, a, a, there's a lot of things that I could have done better in my life. Um, uh, beginnings and endings to relationships is one. This idea of worthiness lands on me because it's it's been a recurring theme. Mm -hmm. And I was in a relationship with someone for a while and she was incredible. Like she was incredible. Like I'd never been loved like that before and never felt like I'd never been seen like that before. I felt so, so lucky, just yeah. lucky. And um, then I started coming into different parts of myself and I started um, learning different things about myself. And I, it was like the relationship was built inside of this plot of land. And the way that my growth was looking, I was gonna have to, I was gonna have to go outside of it. Right. And for a time, I rejected that growth because I was like, I don't wanna lose this relationship. The way that the universe works with me is either you move to the light, the little knock on the door, or just tears the whole thing down. And then right. the whole like thing- Either you do it, cause I'm telling you, or we're gonna blow this shit up. Yeah, and then you, it blows the shit up and then it's like, wait, what? Hold on, hold on. I thought this was just a relationship, but I was finding my entire sense of self-worth inside of this relationship. Right. Like I knew that I was, I knew that I was a good actor because this person that I really respected told me that I was a good actor. I knew that I was capable when this person told me I was capable. And am I capable now? Like I'm back on the same couch that I was on when I moved to New York. Like I'm back at square one. I am broke. I feel like anything that was of worth in me is, if it's not lost, if there's definitely a question next to it, I don't have certainty about anything. I'm thinking about moving back to Georgia because I don't know what this is gonna be. I went to this, uh, let me honestly, I went to this seminar. It's like my friend at the time, went to the seminar and I saw him coming home every night and I just saw this thing happening in him and I was curious about it. And I was like, I'm just gonna go to this thing, man. And I went and I was broke. So I didn't have the money for it. Once again, it's a trend. Like I didn't have the money for it. And I attach, I find for myself, sometimes I attach my worth to my pocket and my bank account. For sure. And um, it's, but the, the universe, always like turns that your back though yes it always That's is like nah don't worry we're gonna we're gonna support you on this yes right? and draws in it's like oh money is not in my bank not, not in my pocket money is a frequency yeah. money is a, it's, it's all a, it's energy it's just and so i go to um i have enough money to get to the workshop and i get there and i do they do a little intro situation and there's a whole bunch of people there and I see the guy who's leading it and I kind of go off to the sides and I'm like, God, I feel like an idiot. 
It's like, hey, uh, I I really like this, and I I think that it's something that I really want to do. I just I can't afford. I just can't do it. Um, yeah, that's it. That's where I am. And uh, he was like, okay, hold on. Then he went to the back room, talked to whomever, came back. You just have to do this everywhere. Like, just <laughs> walk into a Louis Vuitton and be like, you know, I really love those shoes. I just can't afford it. And they'll be like, you know what, John? You look like a nice guy. Give the man a pair of Louis. Give the man a pair of Louis. Like, Give him two Louis. Two. You just know that God got your back, boy. Like, he's just like, you know what? No, can't do spring, but we got you. Can't do college, we got you. Can't do the workshop, we got you. Like, that's going to be my new excuse. <laughs> no, but that's, I mean. It, but it's good, though, that you're just, like, honest and, like. You have to, I think that there's, and there's something that happens in the quarantine for me is I have a lot of shame when it comes to help. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. A lot of shame, when a lot of judgment towards myself. And so when I put myself in a position where, um, where it's completely out of my comfort zone, but once again, all the good stuff happens outside of my comfort zone. So when, I, when there's a thing that I'm like, I feel called to do this thing. Right. And I don't know how it's going to happen. If it does happen, that means that it's bigger than me. That's all I know. Yeah. So I go in and... And in this situation, I, I found myself, I was just really honest about where yeah. I was and all of that stuff. And I found, I found my life again, that thing, that child, that joy, that play, that uh, vulnerability. And it was the beginning of a shift. And up until that point, I remember talking to my agent, my manager, and I was like, I'm not doing theater anymore. I'm only doing these things because I'm not, I'm like, I'm, I'm only doing these things. I'm not doing these other things. But I would still, you know, I was a reader for some auditions. And I remember going in and I was a reader for this guy's audition. And I didn't know him, but it was this off-Broadway play. And he was like, do you want to audition for this play? And I was like, nah, man, I'm not doing theater right now, man. I'm only... I'm only, you know, going to film. He was like, cool. And I came back and I was the reader for the callback. And he was like, you sure? You for this play? <laughs> and I was like, nah, man, it's not my thing. Like, it's just not doing it right now. It's just, it's not in the cards right now, man. I'm really trying to say no to some things so I can make room for my yes. You know, that was my idea. Yeah. And then um, he was like, let me take you out for coffee. And I was like, cool. Like, so, I was like, trying to pursue me. <laughs> So we go out for coffee. The answer is no, no, no. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. <sighs> Take the coffee, but it's a no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm there and he told me this. He said, I feel like, he's like, I, I hear you. But I want, he said, why did you decide to be an actor? And I was like, well, with storytelling and I believe in the power of storytelling and I want to be used as a vessel and I feel like it's bigger than me and all of this stuff. Yeah. It's like, okay. I just want to reflect back to you what I'm what I'm seeing. And also I've asked about you in the community. And I just want to reflect back to you what what I've received. And I was like, okay, weirdy. Okay, cool. <laughs> and uh it was like everyone is saying that 
they are not going to add, they are not even asking you to do anything anymore because you're going to say no. And I was oh like, God. I was like, what, what, what? <laughs> like, that's not true. It's like, yeah, it's like you, and we're both very spiritual people. And he was like, I think you're moving with the spirit of no, like you're carrying that as like the thing. And there's a way of, there's a way of like, you know, having your boundaries and having your standards and all of this and still moving from the yes. It's, it's not about the thing. It's about how I'm doing the thing. And I was like, what the fuck? Spirit You're of like, no. yeah, but still I want the TV. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to, yes, okay. trying to not be broke. I just don't want to be broke. <laughs> like, you know, theater don't pay the bills, right? You know, Broadway's closed till June, right? <laughs> You know that you know that they're still trying to film all rise in quarantine, right? Like that's the type of tip I'm trying to be on. <laughs> you can pay twenty thousand dollars an episode, right? <laughs> and not 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 for the entire run. Not even for part of I'm talking about the episode. <laughs> episode, buddy. <laughs> he, he, he he I was fortunate to have him in my life because he reminded me he was a mirror. And it reflected back to me what I, like why I do this and what I actually believe mm -hmm. about myself, which is like, if it's my, if it's for me, it's for me. If I'm moving integrity and I'm moving in alignment with like my calling, then it's going to, in the long, in the long curve, in the long curve, it's going to be what it needs to be. Maybe not in the short term, but in the long curve. And then I started thinking, I need to get more selfish about this. Like, do I like this play? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I do like this play. Do I like this character? I was like, well, yeah, I like this character. I was like, then I mean, selfishly, when was the last time I acted? And I was like, I haven't acted in a while. And I was like, well, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna go in. He was like, just come into the final callback. I was like, cool. So I went into the final callback and I had to sing in it and I was really excited about singing a song and I had to do some scenes that the scenes were really wonderful and I was excited about just acting, just doing the work. And I remember I went in and I did the scene and I sang the song and all of that stuff. And um, uh, I did not book the show. Like, you took like, me to fucking coffee? <laughs> like, coffee? You liar! You, you fucking mind twisted me, made me take my no to a yes for a no? <laughs> How many people are you taking out for coffee? <laughs> Don't you? Why are you lying to me? Why are you lying to me? <laughs> but, but the next time we went and hung out, um, there was just this elephant in the room. And I was like, and he was like, do you want to ask me anything? And I was like, I was like, I mean, this is just petty, man. Like I made the decision to audition. I chose to do it. Like, I'm not going to be complaining. And I was like, yeah, man, what happened? <laughs> What's up? I'm like, what happened? He was like, well, basically, you know, the, the person that the show is based on real people, one of the producers, is the person that I would be playing. And he wanted the person that is playing him to look more like him. And I was like, huh. And he said, honestly, I was in the room. I fought for you. And 
you were incredible in your audition. And, you know, I told them, I said, you all are going to, this is the kind of person where you're going to want to be a part of his story. You're going to want to be a part of his story. And I was like, oh man, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, like what an advocate for you. That's awesome. Yeah, I was like, thank you, dude. And he was just like, hey, I mean, I'm not doing you any favors. Like, that's just what it is. And then after that, when my agents would send me things, there were certain things I say no to, but then there were things where I was like, do I like this character? I'm, it's like, I'm coming back to my why. Mm-hmm. I'm coming back to my why. And as I'm coming back to my why, I'm coming into alignment about why I'm here. And then when I'm in alignment, it's like, then there's room. And I'm saying to the universe, I'm ready. Right. I love the alignment that you talk about. And I think my biggest lesson in hearing you talk today is, you know, obviously I practice meditation. I, I, I meditate every single day. I've been meditating every single day since February, like religiously. I've worked my way up to 30 minutes. I almost meditated yesterday at 11 o'clock at night just because fuck it. Like I was like, I would love a meditation right now. Like I, I crave that stillness. I crave like going within and I get very... I'm okay with rejection when it comes to my career, but now again, like in relationships, I have this weird dynamic where if I kind of have a crush on someone or I kind of like them, I don't know how to be because I'm scared of them rejecting me. And Mm. as much as I'm the woman, I'm like, no, he has to pursue me. And like, if he doesn't text me back or like, I have this really weird dynamic where I get very just obsessed with the idea of like the taps. Like, is he looking at my story? Did he like my photos? Did he text me? Like I have this like thing and I know that other people deal with this. Like I have this thing where I'm trying to understand what is going on in this other human being's mind. Uh And then it just comes back down to the enoughness. And I realize, like, Liz, you are enough. Of course they like you. Why would they not? You're a great, human you are awesome you're loving you're this you're beautiful you're you do this so i have to remind myself and then i started Mm -hmm. thinking if you start thinking out loud in your mind that they don't like you that they're going to reject you that's all you're going to project and you're going to project this like weird anxious energy and it's going to come across in your conversations and everything and so i just started trying to kind of be in this space of like how would i feel if i knew that this person was interested. You know what I mean? Like, how would I feel? And like, how do I, what do I want to attract? Like, who do I want? Like, what does my ideal partner look like? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Am I even ready for that? Like, am I actually, do I actually want a partner or do you just want attention from like a male energy to like kind of feed this ego? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, Liz. You I know? know what you mean. I do. Because um, that's like I actually don't know if I want to go on a date right now. I just I would rather just have a conversation and not touch you. <laughs> I'm like, welcome. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, uh, specifically when it comes to like when it comes to personal relationships mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, I feel like. I mean, yes, for me, there's a lot of times the feeling of worthiness of worthiness. Am I enough? Um, do I do I have the things in my life? Yes. Do I have the Do I have the things in my life that make me feel like I'm enough? So I'm trying to 
I'm trying to fill up my enoughness based on things and all this other shit so that when I feel like it's enough and I'm like, now I'm powered up and I can go talk to you. Right. Like once I have no debt, then we can have a conversation. Once I have pretty close, like for me, like pretty close, this, that, like once I'm here, then I'll be on your level. You know what I mean? Is that somehow like, you know what, is that kind of some of it? That's, that is part of it. That is part of it. And then, but then there's also this, it, once again, when I come back to my, like, when my, when I come back to myself, um, and I have this peace and who I am, uh, regardless of what's going on around me or what's in my bank account or, you know, what is or isn't happening around me in my life. I, I, I liken it to being, uh, there's this hurricane and when I'm in the eye of it right. and it's calm and um, I choose that. And whether it's through, you know, my affirmations that I write in the morning or meditation or um, uh, listening to different videos and being really conscious about what I put into my body right. um, in my psyche, whatever that is, there's a feeling when I am grounded in myself and I know what that is. So when I take that groundedness and and move into space with other people, um, if I'm trying to, if I'm open to relationship or not, um, or if I, then I can be honest about where I am and what I want um, without trying to figure out the other person without trying to figure out what they want. Right. Uh, You're just centered in you. Yeah. And I can say, yeah, I I remember the first time that I started dating folks and I was like, you know, I don't want a relationship. I don't, I don't want that right now. That's not where I am. Um, if that's something that you want, that's amazing. That's not where I am. And so I don't when you started dating. Were you just kind of okay with it being like these relationships that you've accumulated with humans, but it's not like this thing that there's a label where you're only with this one individual. Is that what you, what was like your intention? Like when you were just dating, but didn't want to be in a relationship. My, my intention was connection. Yeah. And I was just like, I am open to, I'm open to connection and I'm open to seeing what connection is with anyone. And right. I don't want to shut down. I don't want to close anything down. And I also don't want to be in the position where I feel like I have to possess another person where I feel like, oh, I, oh this is so great. I want, I want to keep them. I'm like, yes. I don't like that energy. I don't like it. So I check myself and that's another thing about going through the process, which is a continual process of being like, okay, being able to say to folks, I want connection. And it may not even be physical, honestly. Yeah. It is probably just, I want relationships in my life where there's intimacy and where there's openness and where, you know, I don't feel like the need to perform because I'm not into performing. I perform as a job. I don't want to perform in my life. So yeah. this is how I feel. And the right people would gravitate into that space. And sometimes people would come and go, 
Um, right. And that had to be okay. I feel that. I feel like that's exactly where I'm at right now. I feel like that, but I think my problem is I go back to my marital pressure in my mind that I feel like I have to make a decision. For some reason in my mind, I don't know if it's a woman thing. I don't know if it's just an age thing. I'm not even, I'm 25, so I don't know why I'm putting this pressure on myself, but I have this feeling where I have to make a decision. And mm. like, even I'll be honest with you, like during this quarantine, I've hung out with my ex a couple of times. He's the only other human I've really interacted with. Mm-hmm. And it's been great. He's my best friend. We, mm. we have so much fun together. And the last time we hung out, he was like, you know, I told myself, I don't think we actually had this conversation this morning. I don't think I can see you again. Mm. And he's like, why? We're just friends. I'm like, but we're not just friends. This is hard for me because every time I detach, I feel like I have to break up all over again. Mm. And I need to be intentional that what is my intention? Mm. My intention is not to seek anything with you further than this. As a matter of fact, I wanted this to end because you're not my partner. And Mm. I think once I find out someone is not a potential suitor, then I cannot continue to be with you because it feels like, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but there's no intention behind it. You know what I mean? You feel like it's a waste of your time? I don't feel like it's a waste of my time. I just feel like I'm not being authentic. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I can eventually, I'm hurting myself, but I'm also hurting you because I know I'm very intentional with myself. And that's like, if I know that I don't want this to be a relationship, especially with somebody that I thought I was going to marry to hang out with you and now just be like, it's not a big deal. We're friends. It's hard because my whole plan, my vision was to get married and have kids. And now we're just being friends mm. and know that you're being open with other people and I'm open to other people. So now we're like in an open relationship. It's like a very weird dynamic that I don't think I'm ready for, but I've also don't want to lose my best friend. So it's like this very weird place where we're like, so should we just never see each other again? And then it's like, am I ready to pretty much bury my best friend? I feel like I'm mourning you. Mm. And then every time I hang out with you, I say, I can't do this anymore. I have to re-mourn. It's a very tricky slope. It is. So, but then I still long that connection. And I think that's the biggest thing where it's like, I love, I love people. I love loving about people. I love hanging out. I love just exploring. And I think that's where I'm at. I I told myself, I don't think I want to be. And I even expressed that to my partner. I was like, I don't. I don't want to be in a relationship. And I've even expressed to my family where I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to get married. Like that's how adamant I'm at that I don't ever want to make that decision. And it's probably stems from fear of divorce because I'm a product of it mm. that I don't ever want to settle for one human that is not going to grow with me. Cause I see what my dad goes through with his wife where it's like, you guys clearly stunt each other's growth and stay. Mm. And like, I can see it with my mom where it's like, again, it's like very toxic relationship, but you think it's normal because that's all you've ever known. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't know if I ever want marriage. It scares me because I don't, it's like, how can I choose one person forever? I'm constant. I grow daily Mm -hmm. and I do know how to grow with someone, but it's just this thing of like, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm too free for that. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And 
when I've, one, thank you for sharing that. Two, um, I think that we can only be where we are. Mm -hmm. And when I am in this space where, you know, I'm jumping too far in the future or I'm living too much in the past, the whole time I'm not where I am. And I have to be there with all of the uncertainty and all of the feelings that come up with that. And uh, all of the, the processing that comes along with that, which can mean um, grieving. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had folks, there's been people in my life one, there's a person in my life uh, most recently who I met and we, we had the conversation, we knew what it, everything was and it was just, there was this love, there was this profound connection and closeness and ease and I was like, what the fuck is going on? I was not, I didn't decide, I didn't decide, I didn't decide this. I, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to get married. I don't know if I want to be with anyone for any amount of time. I know that I want to be a father, but I don't need to, I don't need to be married to be a father. I can be a father in a lot of different ways. Um, uh, but I met this person and there was this, um, there's this part of me that woke up and I was like, okay. But just because that part of me woke up, it didn't mean that this was the person that was going to be my partner for, you know, for the, the duration of my life. Right. You know, I feel like there's a, I, how do I say this? The way that I view relationships is like, I try to view relationships with open hands, right? And so the person comes into my life and I'm able to appreciate and connect with and move in any way that's not fear. I just don't want to move in fear. Okay. Because when it's fear, then I'm like, well, this is really great. I'm not going to find this again. Which as long as I've, like for me, this has just been a lie. It's not true. It's this part of me that, goes into worthiness and goes into there's not enough time and goes into sometimes I have more faith in my career and mm -hmm. the things that are going to happen in my career than the things that are going to happen in my personal life. Same. And so, but if, if, the, if I apply that same principle, then who's supposed to be in my life and who I'm supposed to connect to and connect with, um, I will know them. Like if I'm moving and I'm honest with myself and I'm doing the work on myself um, and I'm choosing to show up in my life. And when there's people that come around, I am open to connect and I'm open to be intimate and I'm open to be a friend. And it is, sometimes it's an unpopular opinion of the way to be in relationship with others or with people. Um, 
at least I've found that as I've communicated that to some folks, it's been an unpopular opinion. Uh, and that's okay. And, and that's had to be okay. Um, because it's just my truth. It's where I am. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I'm somewhere that I'm not because I've done that before and it doesn't help anyone. So I'm going to tell the truth about where I am. And if that changes, I'm going to tell the truth about if that changes, but I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to try to catch my partner. Like I feel and like, like fucking possess them and just be like, you're mine now. Like, no, you know, that feels so, um, that feels scary. And I don't want that to happen to me. I don't right. want, I think, and if I don't want that to happen to me, then I definitely don't want to be that in someone else's life. I don't want to be that right. force that, you know, that says, I love and accept you as basically when the, when the underwriting and the relation, the relationship contract is, I love and accept you as you are right now. So I need you to be that always who you are right now. And sometimes relationships can be so selfish. It's like, how can you serve me? Like, yeah. how do you serve me and what I need you to be for me? And it's mm -hmm. like so many times I've shared with partners, like how I'm feeling. And sometimes right after I say exactly how I feel, it's like, right, but this is what I need you to do. This is how I need you to show up. It's like, right, but I'm telling you, I can't, but it's like, but why? And it's like, because I just don't, I did this whole podcast on codependencies and letting go of like attachments because while I was meditating, I realized I just feel like the world is living in codependency. I feel like people are so afraid to just be alone and know mm -hmm. that they, and I think it's so honorable that we both have that understanding of ourselves and our worthiness and where we're at and it being enough. Cause as much as we have not enoughness, we work on that enoughness. We're so in alignment with our values and who we are and where we're heading and our vision and our, and how we show up and we're nice to people and we connect and all of that, that we don't want to just cling on to somebody and settle and don't want to stunt her growth or stunt someone else's growth. And so I did this whole podcast on codependencies and letting go of attachments. And I think while I was meditating, what I realized was no one belongs to me. And that was my biggest takeaway from that meditation. And I said, no one belongs to you. I can say you're mine. My children can be mine. But at the end of the day, no one is mine. I'm born alone. I die alone. I, this is my journey. Everyone is here merely for seasons. Maybe some people are going to walk with me a little longer, but they're, they're not mine. Mm -hmm. And I think when I realized that it released something for me where I was like, I just want to have authentic connection. I want you to be so dope and I want to be so inspired. And I think that that's what I crave. I just want to be with someone and and I do find that with my ex-partner, you know what I mean? And when we hang out, like he's super creative and we, we were kids. That's, that's the beauty of hanging out with him that 
I can be so childlike with him and wonder and, and, and dance. We dance and we sing and we laugh and we drink wine and we get lost in each other. And then we're silly and we're playful. And I cry and I, you know what I mean? It's just, we're two children that hang out with each other and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I don't know. I just think when I realized, like, when I realized that Robert, that's my ex's name, like when I realized Robert wasn't mine and that I didn't have to lose him because I lost the label, that he's still in my circle, that he can still be someone I deeply love and care about, then I'm not losing anybody. Like, as a matter of fact, I only gain, I have so many people in my circle and when I have people in my podcast, like I feel like, wow, I just gained another intimate friend. Or when I have like my women Wednesdays and I hang out with all these girls, like I feel like they're part of me because mm. I get to walk with them. But at the end of the day, no one's mine. And I, and I get that. And I know that. And I just, I can value people in a different way because I don't want to, I'm not trying to possess you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. That's so powerful. I think that, Oh, well, number one, I have to go back and listen to that podcast. Oh, yeah. Please do. It's called Letting Go of Attachments and Codependency. Um, I was like, literally just finished meditating. I was like, I have shit to talk about. <laughs> I just went through a fucking outer body experience. <laughs> I did not know what a healthy relationship looked like. I did not know. Now, that being said, my mother and father, beautiful relationship, wonderful they loved each other very much. I never saw them disagree though. I never saw the way they dealt with conflict. Never got to see it. And uh, I had trouble with um, expressing wants and needs. Notice, I, okay, I, I remember this, I was dating someone and I remember the time I recognized the desire to, to, the desire to possess. Mm-hmm after like a lot of the work and stuff like that and talking to them and you know this is it's it's wonderful it's amazing it's such a you know it's a divine connection in a lot of ways and and i was like this is really fantastic wow and and they talked about someone else and i was like i was like oh wait oh oh that's that's not it that is not it and um there was a time when I would, there was like this progression. There was this time when I would be like, oh, I feel the desire to possess. I need to back out. I can't do it. No, mm-hmm. I can't do it. I don't trust myself not to do things subconsciously that will, that like to subconsciously try to control. I don't even trust myself to do that. I love you too much to even put you in that space because that's not you, that's me. So mm-hmm. we in that. But then over time, I'm able to acknowledge it and go, like, if I'm doing things with open hands, right? There are these moments in the relationship where something happens and I'm in my hands go, oh, and I'm like, no, let it go, release. And then something else happens and I'm like, and I'm like, release, stay open, stay open. You don't, they don't belong to me. I don't belong to them. Nobody is mine. This idea that but it's also scary, mm-hmm. the idea that um, no one belongs, or no one is mine. Because when you think about it, or at least when I think about it, I go, well, that, that goes from cradle to grave. Mm-hmm. When, you, when I die, it's going to be me, yeah. you know? And uh, 
And so there is no way to avoid, there's no way to avoid loss. Mm -hmm. There's no way to avoid grieving love. That's a, you, you will always like, I don't know, like go, I've never really lost anybody really close to me in the sense, like, like you have a, a father, like I have both my parents or, you know, I, I've lost grandparents, but it's different kind of loss because for some reason, when they're grandparents, there's an understanding that you won't have them. So it's like, I think it's just different versus like a sibling where you think, yo, we're going to ride this shit out to 80. You know, like you, you know, so when I hear like my friends who's a sibling, I'm like, oh my God, what? That's a thing? Like mm -hmm. how, or a child. It's like, you think you'll, you'll all grow. It's like, you know what I mean? You, you never think you'll bury your child. Like I've never had that experience of loss. And it's funny because like, I was asking my mom, I'm like, do you have this pressure to take care of your mom? Like, mm. and my mom's like, no, like in the sense, like for me, I do so much personal development. My grandmother's such a person of like anxiety. She sleeps, mm. like she, she doesn't eat well. She has high blood pressure. And I do so much research on like holistic wellness and, 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 and the power of the mind. And, you know, the fact that I just see things that she's doing that are in my opinion wrong, because I know that holist holistically, if she keeps doing that, she's just going to get sick. And the fear of losing her makes me feel like I need to take care of her, makes mm -hmm. me feel like I need to shake her. And when she doesn't do it, it bothers me because I feel like you're going to kill yourself. Like, and I need you. I'm like obsessed with my grandma. And I think it's the mm -hmm. fear of like, I just don't know. Like I never want to lose her. And mm -hmm. I know that it's going to happen one day, but I feel like if I can step in, I can prolong that. And I asked my mom, I'm like, do you have that fear? My mom's like, no, like she's 75 years old. Like, I'm not going to change her ways. And I'm like, no, nah, I am though. Like, I am going to fucking try. Yeah. You know, but do you feel like because you've lost someone close to you that you just deal with loss differently or have this different kind of acceptance or? I, I feel like because I lost my father, there is a uh, there is I have there's a relationship to loss that I have, but it's 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 so individual. Like sometimes I think about what it would be like to lose my mother, you know, and I can't. I mean, there's a there's a part of me that knows that that. I would survive because I have, but there's also this part of me that knows how the world just is. The world looks different. It's like, it's like the best way I can describe it right now is it's like looking at this, looking at the world and it, there's just this, clarity and then something happens and then there's like a lens there's like a different lens and the whole time i'm like trying to take the lens off but it's like this is the new lens it's just the new lens and i have to there's no other choice but to accept that lens there's this idea of of control though mm -hmm. there's really 
there's really none of it. Like there's, there's the semblance of control, but there are people who do all of the right things and go. Mm -hmm. And there are people who do all of them parentheses for anyone listening and not watching, I'm doing parentheses. So like do the wrong thing and go, you know, there is just when we go and that is hard because I want to believe a lot of times that, you know, that I have control, that this, that my through, and I think that's the thing of like, I have to check myself with my spiritual practices sometimes because there are ways that I even try to manipulate my spiritual practices. Like I go, you know, well, because I'm doing this, then this should happen this way, right? Or I have to check my intention. Like, what is my intention behind this? Am I releasing? Am I releasing? Am I releasing? Am I releasing? Am I taking control of what I do have control of? And am I accepting what I don't have control of, which is a, another human being? I just can't control you. Though I want to. Grief is... It, it, it never, uh, at least for me, it never ends. Like there's no ending. It's just, it, it evolves and has evolved. And because I've been in relationship to it in this specific way for some time, there is, um, there is sometimes an, an understanding of, uh, how temporal relationships are, um, which can some which can lead me to want to cling and hold on for dear life to relationships that I love so much. Um, or, on the other side, if I'm not careful, it can lead me to be completely apathetic towards relationship because nothing is permanent anyway. So why, why even put my heart out there? Why even? Why care? Why love like that when I know it's just going to hurt? Right. Um, there's this balance. There's this place of appreciating and loving and accepting someone and everyone as they are and trusting that if there is a change to be made, it's going to be because I'm living my life and doing everything the way I'm living my life. I'm with integrity and all of these things and they are noticing and they are seeing and there's something in them that is sparked and they choose something for themselves. But I, I can't, I can't shift it myself. Anyway, that's all that comes to mind. No, yeah, that's, <sighs> just to wrap this up, obviously, we're in quarantine. Mm-hmm. I just wanna know like, in this time, what do you feel like has been the biggest like takeaway of this isolation? And obviously it's not like it's isolating is isolation's like ending next week. Like we're in this process still. I think we're in like the middle of it. Mm-hmm. What would you what would you say to anyone listening right now that's either like an actor, a fan, um, just a person that's also in isolation? Like, what is, like, this one thing that you, like, have pressed in your heart that you feel like you just want to let someone know? 
especially like during this time, because I think also one of the things I wanted to say that I admire is that I think you're really good at being yourself online. I think you're really good at just sharing. Like I saw you dancing online the other day or just like being on live and just talking to people and having conversation and being kind. And if you like John are now on two shows and someone's watching you and like you are that dream and you go live and you shout that person out, like you don't know what that can mean to someone. Mm. And I just think like, I never want to lose that connecting with rant, like people that just DM me. Like, I think that's so honorable of you. So I kind of, if you can kind of put both of those into one, like what does that community mean to you? Like, why do you go live? Like to talk and just be yourself? Like, is that just who you are? Like, is there a deeper meaning? Like, do you like connecting with people like that? And also like, what would you say? Like after you talk about that, what would you say to people just like during this time. Okay, so three things. One, yeah, I find that you're talking about, before you said that, you're talking about the way you connect with people and who you connect with. And I feel like I connect with people who are curious, mm -hmm. like spiritual or not. Because I, I think that, you know, there's a, uh, there's, everybody is my teacher. So like, there's, a, there's something that, even if it's like a resistance that I have, I'm like, okay, what is going on here? what is happening mm -hmm. because there's something about this energy that's just not vibing with me. So I need to check this out. Um, but I, I like people who are curious and who ask questions and who don't presume to know everything, but who, right. are, like, who are open. So there's that when it comes to, um, uh, when it comes to being online and, and live, I think I'm still wrapping my mind around the whole thing. Honestly, I'm in process with it. Like I have never done a live before uh, quarantine really. And um, I started doing it because I was just like, I think I just wanted to uh, not feel as alone at the crib. And so it, it was kind of birthed from that space. And then I was like, there's, I don't really have anything. I don't really want to have an agenda. I just want to hop on here and and just see what happens. And because um, there's this idea of like, like if I'm preaching or like proselytizing to people, they're like trying to tell people how and what and who and what mm -hmm. to do and all of this stuff. I, I get really, I just don't like that for me. I think that what is valuable is honesty. Mm -hmm. And what is valuable for me is just, you know, showing up and a lot of times it feels so, I'm like, does any, does, is there value in this at all? It's like, anybody like this? There's <laughs> a part of me that's like, yeah, I get value from it. Like I enjoy it, you know, I enjoy it. And that's reason enough to do it because when everything that's going on, you know, choosing to do something that brings me joy, is valuable to me and uh the overflow of that is it it you know if somebody that's watching it you know feels seen or feels feels seen or feels like or, or connects with me or um something like that uh but i can't there's nothing i can manipulate about it i just have to do the thing that brings me joy 
also there's this idea of like reclaiming my creativity mm. like so many times it's attached to you know as actors it's attached to work you know creativity is a attached to work and if it's not work or something to do with career in some way and it's like what's, what's the point what is the value of my creativity right now and when, when did i stop doing this for myself when did i stop being the kid inside of my room dancing for fun when did i stop doing that how do i get back to this place um because you know it's like creativity is like this world that i create and then when I'm working, I'm like dipping in the world and I'm pouring parts of it out, yeah. you know, and I'm creating over here, I'm doing that. And when I'm collaborating with someone else, we're like putting our worlds together. Yes. But I can play in this world, you know, by myself, like, yeah. and it frees me. It makes me feel more free, even though I'm in quarantine. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that is another reason why I, I, I post the, you know, random things that i do because i'd be doing it in my crib anyway it's just you know might as well do that and the thing that i'm learning is that it's okay to ask for help mm -hmm. and i have a had a lot of shame when it's come to asking for help like i weeks ago i got pretty sick and it was i got pretty rough and i didn't let anybody in for a while i didn't want to let anyone in and I'm by myself out here. So was triggering for me to be unwell. I needed help. And I was fortunate to be able to talk to my mom, and reach out to my siblings, and have a cousin and an aunt out here, and then some friends. I waited way too long. <laughs> I waited a long time. It like, didn't have to get as bad as they got for me. Um, but I, I just did not want to be a burden. I didn't want to be, I think everybody, everyone's going through so much. I didn't want to be another person to worry about. Sometimes accepting help, like accepting help is an offering in itself. Yeah. Like there are people that it does something for them, you know? And I also want to ask you, what is your Zodiac sign? I'm a Leo. Oh my God, I thought you were a Scorpio. I was like, yo, he's like me, he's a Scorpio. So, uh, okay, so let, this is interesting, this is interesting. I thought for sure you were just like me. I was like, we have the same problems. <laughs> um, I'm a Leo, I'm a Scorpio rising. Oh, okay, there is a Scorpio in there. And I'm a Taurus moon. I'm a Taurus moon. I'm a Taurus moon, you're a Taurus moon. Okay, there's the emotions, all right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, Taurus moons. That's what it is. I'm a Taurus moon. All right. Okay, I see you showing up with our emotions and shit. Don't want to ask for help. <laughs> Don't want to be in a relationship, but love yeah. relationships. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. I knew there was something. I was like, there's something that aligns very well with, like, similar patterns. Awesome. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So let's wrap this up. First off, I want to say thank you, John. Thank you for being so open. I wasn't like shocked that you were going to be open. I know you're a very open person just by seeing you on like social and meeting you a couple times. But um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for showing up, for being open, for being humble, for um, just like pouring your heart out and being vulnerable and talking about your journey. And yeah, even just thank you for saying thank you every time I shared. Like 
I have like this weird thing. Every time you would say thank you, it'd be like, yeah, you're welcome. But I would also be like, I really like that he says that, but it makes me feel a little weird because like no one ever says that. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm that type of person that will also say like, oh, thank you for sharing that. But it's nice to have sometimes people mirror things that like you do back to you. Mm-hmm. So just thank you for like showing up like that. And I'm super excited to like share this with people. Um, yeah. Well, um, this has been amazing. Yes. You're awesome. It's been wonderful to get to know you more. Thank you. Um, uh, it's been wonderful to talk to you. And thank you, thank you for giving me the space to talk about my journey. And thank you for the work that you do. You know, I think that you add an incredible amount of value to a lot of people's lives. And so thank you for the work that you do. Where can the listeners find you, connect with you, watch you, all of the above? <laughs> okay, so here we go. Here's the spiel. You can connect with me on Instagram or on the Twitter. On Netflix, there's uh, Luke Cage and What If. And, um, and most recently, we are in the middle of the season of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And that is on NBC and you want to catch up on past episodes you can do that on hulu and it's uh yeah that's that's the way to to get in touch and all those things yay (laughs) amazing all right and that is a wrap and there you guys have it that was my episode with john i hope you enjoyed that awesome conversation i know i did it was Um, Honestly, I almost forgot that I was recording a podcast and just started having a great conversation. And after we hopped off record, we talked for another hour. So it was just this awesome conversation with a great friend that shares like-minded conversations. So yeah, if you did enjoy this, go ahead and send it to a friend. Take a screenshot of you listening to this podcast, share it on social, and just, yeah, let's promote the word. Make sure you reach out to John and tell him that you loved it, that you heard him on there, and that you think that he's awesome and you want to connect with him. As always, guys, keep on shining. You are amazing. And we will catch you next week for another episode of Shine Brighter with Liz.